It's a little different than last week. <laughs> last week, I walked up and everyone started like cheering like it was a Super Bowl. I didn't know what to do. I was like, should I bow? Should I like, should I do a dance? Like, what should I do? If you're happy to be in the house of the Lord, say, I'm happy. God is good. Amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. When you're there, say, I'm there. All right, somebody's there. Can you turn down the reverb or something on here? I sound like echo, 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 echo. Okay. It's all right. It doesn't matter. All right. We're going to read from verses 1 to 9. How about I take the, the odd, you take the even. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. So that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And altogether, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to say a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for New Philly, Lord, and I thank you for every person here, God. And I thank you, God, that your grace abounds over each one of our lives. And I thank you, Lord, that you are just doing a new thing in each one of our lives, God. You're calling us to higher levels, Lord, of walking in your grace, walking in your love. And so, God, I just pray that today, God, that as I preach, that the word would go out like a double-edged sword, Lord. That, Father, that it would separate us, Father, from, from the things of the flesh, God. It would separate and cut off, Father God, deception, Lord, and it would establish us in truth. I pray, Father, that as I preach, God, that deception and the lies of the enemy would be broken off and that, God, that your people would leave this place, God, thinking and living differently. God, I ask for your Holy Spirit to come and fill this place right now. Fill this place, fill each and every one of us, God, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, God, would be here, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. And, Lord, we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about living by grace. Living by grace. Here, we read, we read 1 Corinthians 1, 1 to 9. And there's something about the greetings that, that are given in the, in the Pauline epistles that I always seem to like. Because there's so much revelation. There's so many things that God can speak to us just out of Paul saying hello. I mean, how many of us have gotten letters from people that like the first two lines of it's like revelation? 
like, I'm not saying you all are getting letters all the time, but in middle school, I got like one letter. I forgot her name. <laughs> but she wrote me a letter. And actually, I remember, I remember the contents of that letter. It was, hi, Marcus. I think you are really arrogant. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe there is revelation in the letter. <laughs> she was like, and she, she was like, I, I've liked you for the longest time, but you don't know who I am. And then she said, you're a jerk. <laughs> I was like, what? Huh? What? Huh? Wait, what? <laughs> Signed anonymous. I was like, okay, now you're going to sign it anonymous. That's just jacked up. <laughs> I remember I was so excited because it was, it like fell out of my locker. You know what I'm saying? I was like, it's like, it's like, oh, snap. <laughs> and then I opened that thing up. I was this is not, I was expecting like two check boxes, you know, yes and no. That's like, that's what I was looking for. He gave me your, uh, I was like, how do you know how to spell arrogant? Anyways, <laughs> but Paul here in this letter, he's writing to the church in Corinth. And I want to tell you about the, the city of Corinth. The city of Corinth was a city that was located in Greece. And it was actually a, a trade city. It was a hub of trade. And so there had many different people that passed through the city of Corinth. Actually, a century before um, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, Julius Caesar, you know who that guy is. He rededicated that city in Greece to Rome. And because of that, and because of the many different people that passed through this city, there was just, it was multi-ethnic. There were people of so many different ethnic backgrounds that came through. It was also, there was... It, Many different people of socioeconomic status, many different people of economic status. You had the rich and the poor. You had the middle class. You had so many different people that came into the city of Corinth. It remind, when I was reading and I was researching about Corinth, I was like, man, that sounds like Itaewon. You know, if you know anything about Itaewon, when Itaewon, the whole history of Itaewon is that it's located pretty much in the center of the city. And that when any, you know, Seoul has a, Korea has a long history of occupation where different countries have come in and they've taken over and they've established their military rule. But every single city, every single, every single opposing force that came in, they always established their camp at Itaewon. When the Chinese take, took over, they established their camp in Itaewon. When the Japanese took over, they established their camp in Itaewon. When the American military came in to help in the Korean War, you know where they established their base. Itaewon, Yongsan. I like going on base. It feels like America as soon as I step out. Like as soon as I, I know the Canadians are like, Psh. <laughs> but in honor of the Fourth of July, I will talk about America a bit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somebody said preach. This city was multi-ethnic, and there was many different people of many different backgrounds. There were many different people. You had the rich and the poor. You had the middle class, and they were all living together. But not only that, but because it was overseen by Rome, it was meant to connect Rome to the eastern provinces in Greece. And because it was in this way, there was a lot of idol worship. Not only that, but the people in Corinth, they had this preoccupation with social status. Everyone wanted to get richer. Everyone wanted to get better. They had this preoccupation with their own honor, with their own selfish gain, and how they could accumulate power. 
Maybe you haven't got a message like this from me in a long time. I'm going to teach you some things today. There's so much revelation in this. And so the city of Corinth, it, it had so many different people that came in. And the people of this city, the culture, was that everyone was trying their best to get by. Everyone was, was fixated with how they could make more money and how they could get to their place of honor and how they could accumulate more power. Whether from the rich or from the poor. The poor were trying to figure out how I cannot be poor any longer. And the rich were trying to figure out how they could become more rich. And this mindset that was in the city of Corinth, also with all these different people, it began to infiltrate the church in Corinth. See, the church in Corinth, it was a church plant. When Paul was, when he had his mission to the Gentiles and he was going around preaching, he went to one particular home where there were a lot of people from Corinth. And so he preaches, the Holy Spirit comes, the power of God comes, all these people get saved, they get filled with the Holy Spirit, they're speaking in tongues, they're doing all these things, and they, boom, establish a church plant in Corinth, in this place that is multi-ethnic, it's got all these different types of people, and it's got all these other things that are happening. There was sexual immorality, prostitution, there was so much that was going on in the city of Corinth. And then, so they establish a church plant there. And eventually what Paul does is he, he establishes the church plan and then he moves on to Ephesus. And so he leaves his spiritual son there, Timothy, to oversee the church plan. I was reading that and I was like, this sounds like Itaewon. I was like, Pastor Christian established and then he put me over it. Mm. And God's like, humble yourself. I was like, all right. All right, maybe, maybe. But as I was reading it, I was noticing, man, there's a lot of similarities about this church in Corinth in Itaewon. The church in Corinth, it was filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone there, they, they were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and they operated in spiritual gifts. People, when they come in the very first service, all of a sudden there'd be an altar call, boom, and people are getting tongues and they're, getting, they're prophesying and they're, they're seeing healing manifest. It's like all the things that we as a church, we contend for. But what began to happen in Corinth was that the culture of Corinth began to influence the people at the church of Corinth. And instead of the people of the church of Corinth being a light to Corinth, Corinth was shining dark. They were bringing darkness into the church. And so all of a sudden, the church and people in the church began to look like Corinth. They began to actually pursue the things outside that they were pursuing before they knew Jesus, when they knew Jesus. It's like, oh, I got saved, and there's this culture that I'm living in when I, before I was a Christian, and now because I'm a Christian, I'll keep pursuing the same things. I'll just do it with a Christian logo. That's what was happening in the church of Corinth. You know, many believers, we get saved, and God comes in power, and he sets us free. And then we come into the church, and instead of changing and, and completely doing a different way of life, we just pursue the same things within the church walls we're still living the same life that's pursuing power and glory and honor but just within the church and that's what was happening in Corinth not just that but there was division the people in the church of Corinth they were attracted to the flashiest preachers and the flashiest wisdom that came through if someone came through and they had some new revelation the person would be like I'm gonna follow them Someone else come in with a different word. Oh, ooh, I like that. I'm going to follow them. And before you know it, you had people saying they were going to follow Paul. Then you had people saying they were going to follow another guy. And then they're going to follow Peter. And then some said, I ain't even going to follow any of them. It's just me and God. I follow Jesus. 
they had this going on in the church. Not only that, but there was sexual immorality in the church. Like Corinth was like, it was like a super Pentecostal charismatic youth group. Because they operated in the gifts, they had the Holy Spirit, they had all these things that were happening, but they were immature. See, God will give you the spiritual gifts, He'll give you power, He'll give you those things, but character doesn't come with it. And this is what we found in the church of Corinth. And people were saying, you know what, Paul, Paul, he's not my spiritual father. Apollos is my spiritual father. Other people were saying, Apollo saying, my spiritual father, Peter's my spiritual father. And then you had those renegade Lone Ranger Christians that said that Jesus is my spiritual father. Forget y'all. You know, there's always those people that come in the church. Why do I need to listen to the pastor? I don't need to listen to him. He's not my spiritual father. And this is what Paul was facing. And so Paul begins to hear of these things. People start writing Paul letters. I want to know who the people were that wrote Paul those letters, you know. Hey, Paul, check this out. People up in Corinth are crazy. You need to do something about this because I want to tell you about Ronnie and them. You know what Ronnie's doing? Paul gets letters. He gets oral reports. He gets all these different things about what's going on in Corinth. And so he decides to write them. And the first thing he says, verse one, he says, Paul. Called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. See, the church was a complete mess, and you had people to the left and right that were saying, I'm going to follow this person, I'm going to follow this person. But the first thing that Paul says when he writes them, he says, what's up? I'm Paul, and I'm an apostle. I'm called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. But that word apostle, in in their understanding, it meant so much more than just simply being a sent one or a messenger. When someone said that they were your apostle, they were saying that they were your spiritual father. And so the first thing he says to them is, check it out, church in Corinth. I know you got all these things going on. I know that many of you say that you don't want to follow me because you don't like my preaching. Or you don't want to follow me because you don't like my, you don't like my dress. You don't like the way I look. I like this tie, actually. This tie was picked out by Sky. This shirt, actually, John Michael from their wedding. You guys did a good job. You know, like, oh, I don't want to follow this person. But the first thing Paul says is, check it out. I'm your spiritual father. See, the problem with many people in the body of Christ, the problem why, why Corinth was in all this mess is the first reason is because they didn't know who their father was. They were going after their own way. They were doing their own thing. They were trying to go after the passions of their flesh. And the reason why they found themselves in, in rebellion and sexual immorality, the reason they found themselves going after the things of the flesh, the number one reason was because they did not know who their father was. So Paul says, check it out. I'm going to tell you, I'm the authority to speak into your life. You ever had an authority come and tell you to do something you didn't want to do? It's so hard. Like, I was talking to Pastor, I was talking to Pastor John, and I was talking to Pastor John Michael, and, and one thing they keep telling me to do is exercise. Like, and I'm like, I... Like, they're like, why don't you think about running? And I was like, I don't want to go running. (laughs) Like, you know, I will run from something or to something. I'm not just going to run just to run. (laughs) But like this past week, I went and bought running shoes. Yeah, it's a start. (laughs) 
And then I went running. And the whole time I'm running, I'm thinking about Pastor John Michael. (laughs) But at the end of it, it was great. You know, when I was finished, I was like, man, I feel fantastic. Praise God for someone to speak into my life. You know, when Paul said to them, I'm called by the will of God, I'm chosen by the will of God to be your apostle. When I'm chosen to be the one set over you, there were many people in the church of Corinth who didn't want to hear that. There were many of them in the church of Corinth who wanted to choose their own shepherd. They wanted to choose their own spiritual father. They wanted to say, I'm going to follow the person that sounds right to me. And so anytime someone came into the church and they preached a message that they liked hearing, they would say, that's my spiritual father. But how many sheep choose their own shepherd? Zero. He says, I'm called by the will of God. I'm called by the pleasure that will, the will of God. That means the pleasure of God to be your spiritual father. Paul was saying, I chose, God chose me for you. I chose you. You didn't choose me. And the reason why he said that is because when God sets men and women over your life, he sets them there to release grace into your life. He sets them there to release order into your life. So all this is going on and then Paul keeps going. Look at your Bibles at verse two. I love how Paul just hits him in the mouth with his greeting. He says, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle. He's already made them mad right there. And then he says, to the church of God that is in Corinth. Check it out. I'm talking to you, church of Corinth. I'm not talking to your homie that lives over in Ephesus. I'm not talking to your best friend. I'm I'm talking to you. You know, today, this message, God placed it upon my heart that it's not for someone else who listens to the podcast. It's for you who's sitting in this room. It's not for you to, "Mm, you know, I really know who needs to hear this one. Many times we do that when we hear a message because we don't want to take responsibility for the words that are being preached. But today, this message is for you. So he looks at them and he says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. I want you to stop right there. The first thing Paul comes to them and says, he says, I'm going to tell you who I am. And then the next thing he says is, I'm going to tell you who you are. And they're sleeping around and they're, they're in rebellion and they're doing their own thing. But Paul looks at them and he says, you're sanctified. That word sanctified in the Greek is the word hagiazo. Everyone, everyone say hagiazo. hagiazo. Just point to someone and say hagiazo. hagiazo. <laughs> that word, it means much more than just being made holy. We think of sanctification as meaning, oh, I'm being made holy. God's sanctifying me. It's that process of sanctification. (laughs) Sanctified didn't just mean to be made holy, but it means to be set and established in a way that was congruent to who God is. It means to be set and established in a way that looked like the revealed character of God. We know that God is holy. We know that God is good. We know that God is pure. God is just. And to be sanctified means that God takes you and he begins to set you in order with who he is. And they're doing all kinds of crazy things. 
They're sleeping around. They're doing things undercover. No one knows what's going on. But then Paul looks at them and he still says, you're sanctified. And there's many of you that came in here today and you're doing things that no one knows about. Let's be real. Or you're walking in rebellion or you're doing your own thing. And the enemy will come to you and say, what's wrong with you? But the spiritual father comes to you and he has the authority to say you're sanctified. See, Paul came to them and he said, I want to tell you who you really are. You're sanctified. But then he keeps going. He says, I'm going to tell you who you are. You're sanctified in Christ Jesus. And then he says, you're called to be saints. You know, that word saints is the word hagiazos. Everyone say hagiazos. Or hagios. Sorry, hagios. I got hagiazo in my mind right now. Hip hop hagiazo. That's what I was thinking about dancing around last night when I was preparing. I had like OPP and scripture in my mind. It was weird. Um, But the word for holy, hagios, is the same word for sanctified. Paul tells them the same thing twice. You know why he tells them the same thing twice? He says, check it out. This is who I am. This is who you are. And this is how you're called to live. See, many of us, we, get mess, we mess up in those two areas. Either we know who we are, but we don't live like it. Or we try to live like it without knowing who we are. But he looks at them and he says, you're holy. And then he looks at them and again and says, you're not only holy, you're not only made holy, but you're chosen to be holy. Even though everything else that they're doing is saying the exact opposite. You know, many times everything that we're doing is saying the exact opposite of what God is saying over us. I remember the first time I got a prophetic word that was the complete opposite of what God, I felt like God was saying over me. Someone, they called me up and they started praying over me and they were just like, Marcus, the Lord is saying you're faithful. And I was like, I'm lazy. The Lord's saying you're faithful. I'm like, I am not, I'm lazy. But what God was really doing in that moment was God was saying, that's you don't have the authority to say you're lazy, but I'm going to begin to set you in order with who you really are. That's the grace of God. The grace of God is when you think that you are doing the worst thing possible, but God turns around and says you're worthy. It's when you think that you are at the lowest point possible, but God says, I'm going to lift you up. That's the grace of God. And Paul comes to him and he says, you're, you're holy and you're chosen to be holy along with everyone else around them. And to the people in Corinth, they didn't understand what was going on. I remember every time I've received a word like that, I didn't know. I was like confused for like the next week. Or I talked to Pastor Christian about something and he would tell me the exact opposite. Like Pastor Christian, I think it's my season. <laughs> it ain't your season. <laughs> it isn't. But I began to realize that that's the grace of God. And that was the grace of God helping to set me in right order with who I really am. For many of you, the reason why you're struggling is because you haven't positioned your heart to hear what God is saying through the man and woman of God over you. God's been speaking it time and time again through the people whom he set over you. 
from the people who, who built you up, the people who established you, the people who gave you the healing and deliverance that you walk in. But you're confused because you haven't positioned your heart to receive that grace. You hear what I'm saying, church? This is what, the, this is what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth. And he's saying it in, their hello, in his hello. Imagine getting a hello like that. Against everything that you thought that, that they would say to you. And so he tells them who they are and he tells them how they're supposed to live. But then he says, this is how you're going to live. He says, grace to you. By grace. By God's grace. See, the reason why the church of Corinth was doing so many things and the reason why all of them were struggling and people were walking in rebellion and sexual immorality and idol worship and division and all these things, the list goes on and on and on and on, was because they didn't understand the grace of God. He keeps going and he says, I give thanks to my God. Verse 4. We're going to talk about the grace of God because I want you to get this more than anything else today. Because when you begin to have a bigger picture of God's grace over your life, it causes you to live differently. It causes you no longer to continue to pursue the passions of your flesh. It causes you no longer to continue walking around aimlessly trying to direct your own life. It causes you even sexual immorality or whatever it is that may be upon you that may be bringing you down when you begin to understand the grace of God over your life you will begin to live differently it's all by grace see Paul looks at them in verse 4 and he says I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace that has been given to you have you ever looked at someone and said you know what you make me worship I see like two people like, yeah, I have. The rest of them like, no. When I see my boss, he don't make me worship. He makes me intercede. <laughs> but Paul looks at this church in Corinth. He looks at these people who are doing everything against the way of life that he's taught them. And he looks at them and he says, you know what? When I look at you, I can't help but give thanks to God. Why? Because of the grace that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. Paul looked at them and he said, when I look at you, when I look at you, all I can see is the grace of God. When I look at you, all I can think about is how you were just those little, little non-Christian people that I, that hated God. Not non-Christian, but they hated, well, they weren't Christian. But they were in rebellion. They hated God. Everything that they did was was completely against the will of God. Their minds were hostile to God. He says, when I look at you, I can't help but remember those times and how far God has brought you. When I look at you, I can't help but worship because God has done such an amazing work in your life. All I see is grace. But the problem with the church of Corinth was that when Paul looked at them and he saw grace, but when they looked in the mirror, they didn't see it. When they looked in the mirror, they did not see the grace of God. When they looked in the mirror, they didn't see the height from which God had brought, the height in which they had fallen and God had brought them up. Instead, they saw power. Instead, they saw wealth. Instead, they saw honor. Instead, they saw the lusts of their flesh. 
Instead, they saw all the things that they desired. And they didn't see the grace of God. That's why when someone would come in with words of flashy teaching, they would gravitate to them. Because when they looked in the mirror, they didn't recognize that everything came from grace. They thought that everything came from them. See, when you, the Bible says, it says that it is by grace that you have been saved. Not by works that no man should boast. But what can happen over time for many believers is that a boasting begins to happen in our heart. And we begin to think that we ourselves can direct. We look in the mirror and we don't see the grace of God. We see our own method and our own ways of exalting ourselves. When we look in the mirror, we don't see God's grace that will provide for all our needs. No, instead we see our desire for affection. But Paul looks at them and he says, but when I look at you, all I see is grace. I want to go over three things that grace, that grace gives us. You know, it's by grace. You guys have to understand that it is by grace in which we do. We live this life. It is not by your effort. It is not by your works. It's only by his grace. You know, I can think back of the moments where I thought that I no longer needed the grace that would come through men and women of God. And I no longer, I felt like I could work for what God was supposed to give me. What I was supposed to have, God, I could work for it. And every single time that happened, God always set me up. He always, God, you know how God will set you up. You ever had God just put you in situations where you're just like, snap, God. I know this was you. I've never told this story before. But it was when I was an exchange student. And uh, when I was an exchange student, I was, uh, I was, I was like someone from the church of Corinth. I was a believer. I had met the Lord. I was sanctified, but I wasn't living like it. I was sanctified, but I wasn't living like someone who was called to be a saint. And I remember because I was in this relationship here in Korea as an exchange student that was unbelievably fleshly. You can fill in the blanks with the rest of that. There was just, there's sexual, I guess I'm filling in the blanks right now. There was strife. There was pride, arrogance. Maybe that girl was right. There was sexual immorality. There was a whole lot of hurt. And when I talked to this, the leaders over me, all, the, all they kept doing was give, trying to give me grace. Saying, Marcus, listen, th- remember, look at what God's doing in your life right now. Why don't you remember what God is doing? And I said, oh, I don't really care. So I kept pursuing my own passion, pursuing what I wanted and what I thought was best for me. And then God totally set me up. Because all of a sudden I was in this relationship. It was a relationship I shouldn't have been in in the first place. But at one point I got convicted enough to where I was like, all right, we need to break up. 
we need to break up. Okay, so we're going to break up. And I was like, I'm going to, how should I tell her? I'm going to, I'm going to do the manly way. I'm going to send her an instant message. <laughs> Don't judge me right now. <laughs> All the sisters in the house are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm talking about grace right now, guys. <laughs> yeah, that was five years. That's been a minute. That's not, minute is slang for a long time. That was a long time ago. But I sent her this message and I was like, you know, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, it's, the Lord's put it on my heart. You know, because we always want to bring in God that God said. Because when we say God said, that means that if they say, I don't, I don't think that's right. Oh, well, then you're going against God. That's not correctable. That's complete pride. God said, I was stupid. <laughs> you know, I think God is saying that um, we need to break up. Yeah. I know you're away right now. You're not actually online. But when you get this message, talk to me. And then I was also like, I, I actually, um, well, no, what had happened actually was that we had broken up a week before that, but no, we broke up a week before that. But then what happened was we, uh, that next day I was in total confusion because it was like, we were best friends and like, we saw each other like, Hey, how's it going? Everything's going great. How's it going with you? Oh, wait, we broke up. Are we? And then, and then that next day, I think, yeah, I know what happened. She talked to, uh, she talked to pastor Aaron. And Pastor Aaron was like, do not talk to him. And I was like, what? what? I, thought we were clo- I thought we were close, even though we broke up. Bump this. I'm going to the club. So I went to the club, and I got drunk, and I made out with some girl. And then my, one of my best friends was like, Marcus, if you're going to be a man of valor, you have to tell her. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so then I sent the instant message. But then God set me up. Because you know what God did? <laughs> this girl I was dating, she was really uh, fiery. And so she went to my friend at a church function. Everyone was at the Hillsong United concert. So the entire church was there. And then she went up to my friend and she was like, tell me everything. And she was a little gangster, I'll admit. Like she, she, was, she was really gangster, actually. And so he got kind of scared. And he was like, she's like five foot, and he was like five foot nine, five foot ten. And he was like, okay, I'll tell you everything. And, I was like, and then he begins to tell her stuff, and she begins to have a nervous breakdown right there. And I remember he calls me in front of everyone. He's like, Marcus, you didn't tell her everything. You lied, you lied, you lied in front of everyone. He's like, he's having a nervous breakdown. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you, why are you, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And then all of a sudden, and see, the entire church was there. And so they were watching this, and they're like, hmm, isn't that, oh, snap, Marcus. Oh, that's the kid that's been coming to Friday Fires. Oh, that's the kid that's been coming to Sunday services. Oh, he's like that? Hmm. And then all of a sudden, Pastor Christian picks up the phone. He's like, yo, tell me everything right now. And I tell him. And they have to do H&D for her right there on the spot in front of, like, the entire church. Don't judge me. 
I don't know why I told that story. See, it's that, it was that grace, it was, God will set you up. And that's what Paul was kind of doing with this church in Corinth. He was kind of setting them up. And then, so he begins to speak to them, and he says, you know what? You don't understand what grace is. Because you've been living in such a way that it's been defined by your own works, by your own power. It's been defined by the culture around you. And so I've got to teach you once again what it means to live by God's grace. You know what happened after that moment? After I got exposed? That was actually one of the best seasons of my life. I can say with absolute peace. I can say it in you know, confidence. It was the best, one of the best seasons of my life. Because that was one of the first times that I began to learn how to live by God's grace again. I realized that I'd been living by my own works, deciding what was best for me, going against the counsel, the grace that God had put into my life. And God decided that he was going to put me through that process again. So I'm going to give you some wisdom right now so that you don't have to do it. Paul gives the wisdom, not me. The first thing he says, verse 4. Well, verse 4 and 5, he says, I give thanks to my God, right, for the grace that's given to you, that in every way... You were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. The first thing you need to know about the grace of God is that the grace of God makes you rich. See, there's too many believers that are walking around feeling like they're poor. Even though they may have wealth, even though they may have material wealth, on the inside of them there is lack. And they're walking around trying to figure out how they can fulfill this void inside of them. They're walking around trying to fulfill this desire for honor, this desire for glory, this desire to have wisdom and knowledge and revelation. And God says, it's not by the ways of the world. It's only by my grace. See, when you understand that the grace of God makes you rich. When you look in the mirror, you're not seeing your own wisdom and your own knowledge. You're not walking around trying to have everyone listen to you because you want everyone to see how rich you are. But you're walking around recognizing that the the knowledge and the speech in which you walk in all comes from God's grace. And when you walk in that way, you walk in humility. See, in every way you're enriched in him, in Jesus. See, the moment you come to knowledge, the moment you come To faith in Christ, what begins to happen is that you begin to exchange your wisdom and your knowledge and your ways for God's wisdom and God's knowledge and God's ways. But if you come in and you want to still live by your knowledge and your ways and your wisdom, what ends up happening is that you're not rich in him anymore. You're just trying to be rich in yourself. And you don't have access to that knowledge and that grace. But when you have knowledge, when you have access to his grace, when you have access to him, you're rich in every way. And that's what he was trying to show this church in Corinth because they had lost sight of that. The second thing that grace does is that grace, let's read verse, let's read verse six. He says that you, the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus in every way you were enriched in him, even as the testimony about Christ 
was confirmed in you. Everyone say confirmed. confirmed. See, one of the problems that happened in the church of Corinth was that they had forgotten about the testimony of Jesus. They had been, they had lived in this culture where they did all these things and God had brought them out, but they got to a point where they forgot everything that God had done. When they walked into the house of God, when they worshiped, when they approached God's throne, they never thought about ever again how God had saved them. They never thought about the things that God had brought them from. But instead, it was all about who they saw themselves to be. When they looked in the mirror, they, they only saw, they didn't, they didn't, they weren't remembering the Egypt in which they were brought from. And when you don't remember where God's brought you from, it puts you in all kinds of different places. You begin to go after so many other things. And one key thing that Paul says, he says the testimony about Christ. You know, God convicted me about this because I used to always walk around talking about how I wanted to share my testimony. And every time I get up and I'd share and every time I get up and talk, it would be all about my testimony. And one day God just spoke to me so clear and he said, Marcus, your testimony isn't the spirit of prophecy. See, what had happened in the church of Corinth was that everyone was getting up. It, they actually had disorder in the church. People would stand up even while they were preaching and they would begin to speak. They would begin to prophesy. They would begin to share. And they would begin to do all different kinds of things because it was all about them sharing their testimony. And many of us in the body of Christ, we all want to go and share our story. We want to share our testimony. Let me tell you about me. Let me tell you about what God has brought me from. That was my mindset for so long. But then God, he just like kicked me in the face with it. And he was like, Marcus, no one wants to hear your testimony. If they hear your testimony, the only person who will be exalted is you. They want to hear the testimony of Jesus. See, when you recognize the grace of God, when you look in the mirror and you see grace, all you see is the testimony of Jesus. You see how when you were nothing, Jesus came. You see how when you were down, Jesus stepped in. When you see how you had nothing, Jesus made you rich. And it's no longer your testimony anymore, but it's Jesus's testimony. Because it's the testimony of Jesus that's the spirit of prophecy. You hear what I'm saying? There were so many times when, after I was an exchange student, right, and I went through that season of grace, I went back home. I went back home to the States, and I was there back home in the States for 10 months. And the first time I went back and I was sharing with people, I began to share with them my testimony. And as I began to share with them my testimony, what began to happen is that I began to get exalted. Before long, like, I had been a Christian not even a year, and they were like, why don't you lead small group? It's like, all right. Hey, why don't you lead, why don't you preach this Sunday? I was like, wait, I don't even like I just got here. Man, your story so miraculous. Why don't you share again and again and again and again? And all of a sudden, everyone wasn't when they heard my story. They weren't walking. They weren't going hallelujah, praise Jesus. They were going, man, you're awesome. Man, can you can you stay a bit longer? And then I remember it clear as day. 
I, I did a spoken word piece at this, it was a coffee house. I don't even know what we were doing. Like, we just had, like, this open coffee house, and I got up, and I did a spoken word piece. And my pastor walks up to me, and he's, it was a Korean-American church. I really missed Korea. So I went to this church, and my pastor walks to me, and he goes, Marcus, or Makasu. And he asked me, he says, did you, you ever think about full-time ministry? And I was like, actually, God's been speaking to me about that. And then he goes, good, good, good. And I was like, I felt a little nervous. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was, it was really weird. And he says this to me. And then he goes, you know, we're going to become a more multicultural church soon. We need an African-American pastor. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, can you be our black pastor? <laughs> and the funny thing was, was at that same moment, after that conversation, I called Pastor Christian. And I said, PC, check it out. God spoke to me so clearly that I, I feel like I'm called to full-time ministry. And my pastor here at this church, he came to me and he said he wants a black pastor and all this stuff. What do you think? And I was, I was wanting, I was, I was yearning for him to give me some wisdom. Really what I wanted him to say was right on. That's what you need to do. And he said, hmm, hmm that's interesting. We'll see. I actually, Marcus, I got to go. All right, bye. We'll see. And that's all. That's all he said. And then I took that we'll see, and I began to pray. And I began to pray, and I began to pray, and I began to pray. And then what God began to say to me was, he said, Marcus, when you went back to that church, you know what you were about? You know what you allowed to happen? You allowed the exaltation of you to happen and not the exaltation of me. And it, it became all about you being exalted and not about me being exalted. And that's what happened in the church of Corinth. It became about certain people being exalted and not about Christ being exalted. And it's because they had forgotten. See, when God spoke that to me, he said, Marcus, do you, a year ago, do you realize where you were a year ago? A year ago, Marcus, you were... Mm, Marcus, you were doing a little bit of everything. A year ago, Marcus, you were drinking yourself to sleep every single night. A year ago, Marcus, you didn't have anyone speaking into your life. A year ago, Marcus, you didn't recognize the grace that was on your life. A year ago, Marcus, you were shepherding yourself. A year ago, you were doing your own thing. And we step out of the grace of God when we forget the testimony that he's written in our lives. And when you forget what God has done in your life and you forget how far he's brought you. When you forget where you were just even a month ago, a year ago. When you forget those things, you're just one step away from Corinth. That's why Paul tells him, remember the height from which you've fallen. Because it's, it's by grace. It's not by your works. 
And we're called to always remember his grace. Here at this church, we, we don't like tell everyone all the time, like, remember where you're from. Remember, where you, you know who you used to be. Because we, wanna, we establish people in the truth, but it is important for you to also remember your Egypt. The people didn't honor Paul. They didn't honor the words that were coming from their spiritual father and from his son Timothy. They didn't honor it because they didn't, they didn't remember what God had done in their lives. They didn't honor the grace of God that was available to them because they didn't remember the testimony of Jesus that was established in them. But that's where the grace is. That's where the power is. And the last thing he says is he wants you to know that it's the grace of God that sustains you. It's the grace of God. The church of Corinth was going up and down and up and down and up and down. They would go to the left and the right. But Paul pointed them back to the grace of God because it's the grace of God that's going to sustain you to walk the walk of faith that you're meant to walk. The moment you begin to think it's about you and your works, it becomes that much harder to walk that walk. But when you begin to recognize that it's by God's grace, you know, grace isn't just simply a forgiveness of sin. Most people think, oh, well, I messed up. Let me pray. Oh, thank you for that grace. Thank you, Jesus. But the, another word for grace is power. And that's a power to do what you were unable to do before. And what the grace of God is meant to do is it's meant to sustain you through your Christian walk. The life that we live, it's not a life that is marked by our own passion. It's not a life that is marked by our own effort. It's only marked by God's grace. When you look in the mirror, do you see a person that needs to try harder? Do you see things that, oh, I need to work on? Maybe you look in the mirror and you see power and destiny and glory. Shaba. But what God wants is for when you look in the mirror, for you to only see his grace. Because it's his grace and his grace alone that will allow you to walk this Christian walk blameless. The Church of Corinth, like I said, when I read it, for some reason I thought about Itaewon. I thought about this, the area of Itaewon and then I thought about this congregation. Because we know God's power and we've experienced God's power in such an amazing way. And there's, so, there's some amazing testimonies that God has written in this house. But the danger can be that you begin to think that it's your own wisdom. The danger can be that you begin to forget where God has taken you from. The danger can be that you begin to think that it's you who sustains you. That it's you are the one who shepherds your life. Not recognizing that it's all by grace. It's the grace of God that gives you everything you need. 
It's the grace of God that has written your testimony and established it in your life that you would be never moved by that. Earlier this this week when I was praying about Itaewon, I felt like God wanted to talk to you about dignity. But dignity only comes when you understand where God has taken you from. Because when you understand where God has taken you from and the height from which God had, you had fallen, but God has lifted you back up, there are just things and there are ways of living that you just won't go back to. You won't go back to the jealousy and the grumbling. You won't go back to the snickering and the rebellion. You won't go back to the sexual immorality anymore because you recognize that God has put so much grace on your life and he has taken you to such a place. You won't go back. And that comes as you, you look in the mirror and all you see, God, all of this is by your grace, not by works that none of us could boast. Let's pray. That's one of them on the keyboard. Paul said, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that's been given to you. He said, when I look at you, I think back to the things that you used to do, the the way that you used to be. And he says, man, I see grace. Man, God's grace is so thick over your life. Even though right now you're not living by the way that you should, I, I look at you and all I see is grace. I look at you and all I see is someone who's sanctified, called to be a saint, called to live like someone who reveals God's character. All I see is grace. But I think, I know there are many of you that when you look in the mirror, you don't see the grace of God anymore. Maybe you look in the mirror and you see lack. Actually, greed, a spirit of greed and a spirit of poverty, they're both motivated by the same thing. A person who is, has an, an orphan spirit, but a spirit of rebellion, it's motivated by the same thing. A person who exalts their own wisdom and then another person who's walking in foolishness. It's, at the end of the day, it's all the same thing. It's all because when they look in the mirror, you don't see God's grace. You don't see God's grace over your life. You see lack. 
It's either a desire to fulfill something that is you feel like is missing. Or to get more of something that you think you have. The person who looks in the mirror and all they see is, is shame. sexual immorality is it's just the same as that person who looks in the mirror and, and all they have is that religious spirit it's because they see, they see lack and they don't see grace but God's grace is here right now and God's going to begin to open up your eyes to his grace over your life so when you look in the mirror, if you don't see the grace of God, you see lack. And that lack has been what's been motivating you all this time. I want you to just stand to your feet. Because God's going to set you free of that today. Now's the time. all in this room right now I want us to begin to pray if you're standing I want you to begin to pray as well and I want us I want you to begin to go back begin to remember ask God to help you remember and I want you to begin to start thanking God thanking God from where he's for where he's taking you and what he's taking you from to begin to start thanking God for the grace that is over your life and I want you to begin to thank God for where he's put you right now in this time in your life everyone right now just begin to pray begin to start thanking God begin to start thanking God for where he's taking you begin to recount that testimony of Jesus that is written in your life because that's where the grace is. Everyone, right now, just begin to pray. Church, begin to open up your mouth and begin to pray in this place. Father, I just thank you.
thank you, God, how you brought me, Lord, out of atheism, God. I thank you, Lord, how you brought me, God, out of sexual immorality, God. I thank you, God, how you brought me, God, out of, Lord, God, my own arrogance and pride, God. I thank you, Lord, how you, God, you brought me out. God, that's been upon their soul, Lord. Father, I just break that off of them right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I just thank you, Lord, that right now, God, a surge of of grace, God, is coming upon them right now, Lord. A grace, Lord God, to always remember you, God, to always look to you, God, that you are the one who makes them rich, that you are the one who has established them, God, that you are the one who sustains them, God. Father, I break off every burden. God, I break off all pressure, Lord. I break off everything, God, that has, Lord, tried to push them, God, to live a life that's defined by works or pursuing their own things, God. And I just declare over them, God, that they will live a life that's defined by grace. I just declare, God, that, Father, that when they look at people and when people look at them, God, they will never cease to give thanks to you, God, because there is just abundant grace upon their lives, God. And, Father, because that abundant grace is over their lives, God, they will be able to give abundant grace to others as well, Lord. I thank you, God, that, that Lord, that the way that you move in their lives, God, is bringing praise to you, Lord. And so, Lord, I just established them, God, in the truth, Lord, that they live by your grace, God. And tomorrow, God, even even now, God, there's just not just tomorrow right now, God, there's just going to be a there's a surge of joy that's coming upon them. God, there's a surge of joy that all the weight that's been upon them, God, is coming off right now. That that burden that's been upon them, Lord, is coming off right now, God. And there is just a renewed joy, God, because they're recognizing that their life is defined by grace. Yeah. So, Lord, I just release that over them, God. Every step they take will be sure because it's just got your grace all over it. I bless them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.